You're listening to The Esoterics Podcast. everybody this is joe and this is fiorelise welcome back to the esoterics podcast hello hello how are you today i'm excellent my friend how are you i'm good i'm good i see that you are sitting in your um, beautiful finished home is it finished you have still work to do on it i have like little things to do but nothing nothing major except for maybe outside but yeah i'm I'm not gardening in a hundred and plus degree weather right now so it's gonna have to wait are, are you a gardener do you like to garden i'm gonna have to like garden yeah. no, no i do no. i i like it to an extent i think i do better with outside stuff like i'm not good with indoor plants indoor plants and meat aren't they they don't make yeah. it well for your outdoor um you should call in friend of the pod ashley um have her <laughs> come and and um do all of your gardening. <laughs> I once am. A week. I am going to ask her about because I do want to do a butterfly-friendly garden. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. One of our friends planted a few, not a lot, just a few milkweed plants, and he's been getting monarchs. So ah. yeah. So That's so cool. If I can contribute to uh, the the growth of the monarch population, I am here for that. You know, and what I found a lot of times, um, like here on the West Coast or just here in Portland, I don't know, maybe this is all mm-hmm. along the West Coast, but that's, people especially like to have natural lawns here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they don't have manicured lawns. They have yeah. whatever the hell they want yep. growing and it's all, it helps the, um, you know, the ecosystem and all that stuff. And it's really pretty when it's done right because you yeah. can have like a quote-unquote overgrown lawn that's really well manicured Mm -hmm. you know that sort of thing yeah Um, and it looks so pretty yeah it's the decolonization of our gardens essentially yeah Yeah. it is yeah because grass grass has no fucking business on on this land on our land on uh, especially on the west coast like in california we're either coastal or desert um and and they, yeah, there's some like foresty areas or whatever. But you don't put grass in the desert, and that shit pisses me off every time I go to Palm Springs and I see those golf courses and shit. I'm just like, mm-hmm. this is okay. So shit. where did grass come from? Was it brought over from? Yeah. Um, okay, so do, it was brought do you over from Europeans. I heard all what? the history of grass. I mean, we could probably do a whole episode just on the history of. Grass I and how mean, it was. I kind of want to. But think of like English gardens, right? And how they have those yeah. like the topiaries, and it's all green grass lawns mm-hmm. and stuff. But that's because that's that's what grows Native in that environment. Yeah, yeah, and and how much um, how much water they get just naturally, it makes sense. Like the, have that there because the the ecosystem supports it. Um, yeah. but with us and how dry we are, that mm-hmm. grass needs a lot of water. Um, yeah. and, and it's really for the sake of what, of just looking green, like it doesn't serve any purpose. Um, mm-hmm. it doesn't feed, it doesn't feed into like the, the bees don't go in, in grass. Like they don't, you know, it doesn't help them at all. So yeah. Um, 
I, I do definitely want to remove the grass that's on this house, especially in the front. Like, absolutely just yeah. want, like, I don't want it to be completely done with it. I've seen a few um, people on TikTok that uh, uh, promote the use of clover as a, a lawn alternative. Mm. And it's really, mm-hmm. it seems really neat, really interesting. So, um, do you have to mow it? You don't have to if you don't want to. You can. Not, not clover? Yeah, you can if you mm-hmm. want to. Uh, they just mm-hmm. use like a hand mower, but uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't need to if you don't want to. So no, no. Mm-hmm. It's interesting for me because I think that a well manicured lawn is so lovely. Mm-hmm. It's lovely and it's clean and it's you know it just it makes me feel happy and safe. I don't know why because I don't like to step in dog poop or anything. Like <laughs> I don't like weird stuff. Right. I won't. I won't do it. But there's um, a house here. Um, that I drive past all the time when I go to the studio or to the, sh- the, the shop. And um, this house has no lawn. It's on the corner. It's in an urban neighborhood. Yeah. And it has no grass. But every single aspect of that yard is beautiful and clean mm-hmm. and landscaped with rocks and bricks yeah. and shrubs. It's the coolest lawn. So it, I don't, I don't guess I don't really care as long as it's clean looking, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, neat looking, I guess. But Again, even a yard of um, wildflowers can yes. be clean and neat looking if it's done well. Yep. Yeah. Most of it just comes down to not letting it get super overgrown. Let it grow to its um, to its natural, uh, you know, full size, and then and then trim off dead ends. Just just doing things like that, trimming off like the old blooms and and doing that allows mm-hmm. for the new blooms to come in. But yeah. it just looks better too. It just looks clean. Um, it looks better. So it's yeah. there's some there is always maintenance involved, um, but if you do it right and you don't do too much, um, it can be a, a nice addition into your local ecosystem without taking you know every weekend away from you to have to go take care of it. Yeah. Yes, I love that. Okay, yeah, good topic, fun topic. Yeah, and yeah, we should definitely do a podcast on it. <laughs> a podcast on grass. <laughs> a podcast on grass. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I mean, just uh, we could just talk about just like the um, decolonizing of just plants, you know, in certain plants. Plants. And, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it is mm-hmm. it is interesting. Plants and gardens. Mm-hmm. Very, very. Uh, we'll be an episode of Ologies, giving a shout out to a podcast that doesn't need any shout outs, right? <laughs> Ologies is one of the biggest in the world. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, do you have any announcements? What's going on in your world? Oh, I don't have any current announcements. My shadow work courses are still up on my website, available for digital download if someone's in- interested in looking into doing their own shadow work and getting started somewhere. You can start with the one work, work. Yeah, with the one oh one class. Um, it's a good starting point. But if you've already been doing it for a time, I recommend the one oh two or the one oh three. It's always just good to get another perspective on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything in your um, professional arena um, that you want to get into or talk about or um, or Oh, okay. Yeah. So I did recently go to a class. Um, this was for those interested in, uh, for people interested in becoming facilitators of plant medicines. So, uh, it was, it was a really nice group, um, because a lot of the people there have been on some kind of journey for a while. So there wasn't a lot of like new people with a lot of new questions. So it was, so what I felt that that was really 
helpful with was because people bring in their own backgrounds and such Mm -hmm. neat information regarding, you know, whatever it is that they've been learning. Like one of them um, is in school for being to be a somatic therapist um, so that she can legally administer psilocybin. Um, Yeah. And so I was just talking to two different people. So um, that that was a really cool class. Um, We didn't partake in any psychedelics. It was just about holding space for one another and then getting to ask some questions that you maybe don't normally feel um, like like it's appropriate to ask maybe when you're with another practitioner and you're with a group you know actually taking medicine it's not doesn't always feel appropriate to like ask a bunch of questions in the middle of it so this was a really good time to do that so we uh, we did um, get to talk to someone though she she shared a, a lot of really neat information about cannabis with us um, yeah. one of my main takeaways from it was that because here in, in California, we're allowed to own, I believe it's four plants or six plants. I think it's up to six plants per, um, per household, um, to take advantage of that. And, uh, but not just for like the flower itself, but how much medicine is in the leaves and the stems of the plant and to use the entire plant. She shared a lot of really neat information that I am interested in digging into a little bit deeper um, I thought that it was a great class and so that that's what I've been doing so and then I'm still doing the curanderismo mentorship with Erica Buenaflor so yeah between those two things getting some like hands-on stuff and just like being part of like a community and getting to talk and answer questions has been really neat that is really cool and it's cool to see you uh, lay the foundations uh, for this thing that's going to you know um, sort of be birthed from you, um, you know, in the future. Uh, I know we talked about this at one of your, in one of your readings, um, just, you know, this, this thing that you're meant to share with the world in this big way. And right now to see you do like all of the little baby steps, it's really, really cool. They're not even really baby steps. They're just, you're building your foundation. Yeah. 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 Cause my big thing is I, whatever I do, I just want to do it with a lot of integrity and that I have the right tools in my toolbox in order to properly be able to help people. So that's, that's yeah. what I'm doing is I'm just trying to, um, you know, make those tools, create those tools and, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. So how about that's you? Beautiful. Um, oh my gosh. Life is really, really crazy right now, but in such a good way. Um, I have a lot going on. Um, so I'm offering live readings here in Portland at Psychic Sister. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, a couple times a weekend or a couple times a month. Um, and so, you know, if anybody is interested in booking one, just go to psychic-sister.com mm-hmm. and then you can click on the readers and you'll see all the beautiful faces offering readings. Um, and then, of course, you can also always book with me virtually from my website. I'm, I'm having this new sort of... Um, love affair with readings and sometimes I go through these phases right I'm like I don't really want to do readings you know it's the same old same old and then other times I love doing them and it's like you know who do I get to read today Um, so of course now I'm in that up swing Um, but then there's also this new sort of um, uh, role with psychic sister Uh Um, I've taken a job as the psychic talent facilitator for um, them and we're currently looking for 
psychics, mediums, tarot readers, intuitive healers to join our reader roster. So it's been really fun getting um, inter or interviewing psychics, getting all of their resumes, you know, having them come in, seeing, you know, are they ready? Are they right for to be a reader or, or is it more of a collaborative mm. opportunity? And just the, the intuitives that I'm being exposed to, it's so cool. Like, Today I reached out to a um, somebody who just received their um, certification as um, a, like a doula, like a midlife midwife uh-huh. doula, but also end of life doula. Wow! So that's really cool. I know we we did a we did a podcast yes. on that. Mm-hmm. We called it you know death doula. Yeah. Right? Um, but anyway, so if you're local to Portland and you're an experienced tarot reader, intuitive reader, or you know somebody who is. Um, please connect with me at the email. I'll provide that in the show notes um, and I'll start the process of vetting and interviewing. Um, we, it's a really good opportunity. Um, it's, it's one of those opportunities where people read about it and they're like, I don't know. It sounds kind of really shady. It literally, literally it is the biggest opportunity because psychic sister is really well known, really well established. And if you're a reader there, it's not an easy gig to get. So we're being really discerning about who can, and it's kind of cool, so. That's awesome. I know, you know, how did I get this fucking job? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you were with me the whole time. I was bitching about, you know, my corporate job or my eight yeah. to five. And I'm like, why did I do this? I don't like this. Um, and then once I left and I just made the decision, I'm quitting. Um, within two days, this butte fell in my lap and I'm like, what? Yeah, it's a trusting the universe. <laughs> trusting the universe. Um, yeah, you know that that the universe knows better. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I'm also um, working for them, curating their class mm-hmm. roster, um, and that's going to drop soon. So, you know, I get to curate, put together some really cool classes. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, um, vet events, workshops, all those things. So. Um, yeah. yeah, I just I couldn't have made this yep, up. Very cool. So I'm excited. Let's see. Um, I have another big announcement, but I don't know if I'm ready to to um, talk about it yet because I haven't had my first. Um, are you te- are you teasing? Class. Are you teasing something upcoming? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you know. I told you about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm not oh. ready yet. But um, once I do, it's a huge. It's probably one of the biggest announcements I've made in a very long time. Right. So I am. I'm going to tease all y'all <laughs> and. Um, I'll announce it sometime in September. All right. Okay. All right. That's it. What are we talking about today, Joe? This week, we are going to talk about the ancient myths and legends of some of our favorite crystals. Um, I was going through, I was doing some research for a, a, a commissioned intuitive design that I was doing for one of my clients. Um, doing the research on this crystal and I found all these references to you know how they were used anciently mm-hmm. and I just thought that was really cool and then I went down a rabbit hole and then uh, that's typically how a podcast episode is <laughs> right our rabbit, rabbit holes yep. yeah yeah so that's what we're gonna talk about today awesome yeah all right yes. you ready let's do this okay amethyst Okay, so the most popular mythology surrounding Amethyst is from ancient Greece. This is a really cool story. So Dionysus, 
who was um, the god of wine. I mean, seriously, like, I really want to be a a god of wine. I want to be a goddess of wine. Um, Well, he was the god of wine, celebration, intoxication, and joviality. All right, so he was insulted by this mortal who would refuse to acknowledge him. (laughs) That's very narcissistic of him. So he was enraged, right? He's, he's, he's like, I vow to unleash. He, he unleashed his fury upon all the mortals who didn't partake in his gift of wine and drunkenness. Oh. I like this too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, then he spotted this young maiden named Amethyst who was on her way to pay homage to the goddess Diana. So basically he detained her and... You know, um, it says he summoned two fiercely voracious tigers to devour her as he sat back with his wine to watch. Because he was pissed at other people, so he decided to attack her. He's kind of a dick. I I don't like him. (laughs) I know, back and forth. I go back and forth with him. All right. But Diana, when she saw this, she was like, whoa, 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 no, no, no. So she transformed the young woman into a glimmering stone of white quartz to protect her. And so when Dionysus realized the ruthlessness of his actions, he began to weep with sorrow. He spilled his wine and that wine was absorbed by the stone creating amethyst. Oh, that's a neat story. Except for the part of Dionysus being a dick. Right? This is what is so cool about ancient myths and legends. On one hand, they're kind of cool, and it's like, oh, that's cool. On the other hand, you're like, my God, the gods were dicks. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it feels like most of them, most stories are like a, a god mm-hmm. who is scorned and then he mm-hmm. enacts his revenge on humans. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Ugh, it doesn't sound like anybody, you know, we know it today. I don't know, Washington, all the people yeah. in Washington. All right, so throughout history, um, Amethyst has been um, thought of as preventing drunkenness and overindulgence, which is kind of cool. That's how it ties back to Dionysus. Oh. Ancient Greeks and Romans, they routinely studded their goblets with Amethyst, believing that the wine that they drink from mm-hmm. them um, wouldn't lead them to intoxication. What, I mean, and for me, if I'm not going to get intoxicated or, you know, a little bit buzzy, I'm not going <laughs> to drink it. I mean, you know. Um, they also believed that an amethyst worn on the body, especially at the navel, um, had a sobering effect um, for, you know, just everything. Overzealousness, passion, that sort of thing. Catholic bishops wore amethyst on a ring to protect them from mystical intoxication. I'm not really sure what that is, but... Um, you know, that's sort of how it started the tradition of kissing the ring. It kept others from similar mystical intoxication and kept them oh, in spiritual thought. Huh. Yeah, right? Because don't, don't they, don't the popes have people kiss their rings? I thought that was a godfather thing. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's not a Catholic uh, Maybe thing? it is. I just, I know my parents, their godson used to do the kissing of the hand thing and I remember the kissing of the ring yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the Pope that yeah. does it. I don't I don't know it seems weird yeah I think it's it ancient weird. it's weird it's so weird um in the spiritual world an amethyst crystal is thought of to providing a connection to the divine which it actually is really really good for connecting to your intuition during meditation that sort mm-hmm. of thing so yeah um all right, so here's some other things that amethyst is thought of. Um, some historical amethyst healing reports include its ability to control evil thoughts. 
increase intelligence, and render men shrewd in business matters. You know what? Why just men? I mean, is that just the way that it was, you know, because of how it was created? um, Typed up, but there, yeah, there are a lot of um, gender nonsensical elements sure because it's just it's old and they just they refer to Mm -hmm. everyone as man or men yeah Mm -hmm. i get Mm -hmm. yeah i i I call them out here in this um because it's like well you know you know in teaching talking about and encouraging you know contemporary or modern spirituality we always have to look at all of these Mm -hmm. gender roles and smash them and say that's not how it's done anymore um let's see what else did they do Um, for travelers it was worn as protection against treachery and surprise attacks it kept soldiers from harm and gave them victory over their enemies it lent assistance to hunt assistance to hunters in the capture of wild beasts and fowl (laughs) Beast, cow, and chickens. Um, it was also considered to be a powerful psychic stone of protection against witchcraft and black magic. And so, um, it 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 basically was protecting the wearer from disease mm-hmm. and infection. Okay. You know. In Eastern cultures, it was listed in descriptions of sacred gem cities of the Tree of Life, and it was used in temples offerings for worship um here's a cool thing it was also often used to align planetary and astrological influences and additionally it was popular with rosaries and prayer beads and credited with creating an as an atmosphere of pious calm uh, mental mm-hmm. peace and quietude so you know it is a lovely stone it really is i don't have a ton of amethyst um, i'm just not a fan of purple but yeah. i love to work with it all right, amber is the next one. Amber is unique from other crystals because it's made from tree resin that is fossilized over the course of millions of years. So any amber that you see, it's between 30 to 90 million freaking years old. That's crazy. To wow. Me. I know. That's, that's well, old, it, right? 30 to 90 million I, Just years the thought old. that you get to wear that, you know, it's, it's yeah. pretty, that, that in itself is pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me when we got yeah. I bought um I bought a couple pieces of petrified wood yeah when we were in Arizona and New yeah. Mexico and those are 243 million years old and it's like the fact that we get to wow. like hold something that's that right. old in our hands is pretty amazing yeah. isn't that amazing it really is I mean it takes a long time for a tree to petrify but you know all yeah. of the crystals I mean you know crystals that we you know take it that we take it um take for granted you know we go into this fancy metaphysical mm-hmm. stone we buy them they're millions of years old because they were yeah. created you know at the earth's core so one legend in lithuania believed amber came from the tears of a sea goddess who mourned the loss of her mm. beloved the ancient greeks believed amber was formed after a tragedy so when zeus threw a bolt of lightning at pathon I'm, I'm not sure that's how you say it. So I'm going to slander a <laughs> lot of words in this today. So bear with me. Um, Phaethon, Pathon. Anyway, he threw a bolt of lightning at this dude in his flaming chariot. And then Pathon, mm-hmm. okay. that's what we're going with, was swallowed. 
followed by flames and he died. Okay. So, but when his body was found by his mother, the tears fell into the river and hardened oh. into evil. Hmm. Yeah, sad. it's sad. But honestly, I don't see the connection. But, but, <laughs> and that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, oh, like yeah, that, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> that doesn't resonate uh-huh. at all. <laughs> Have you seen Thor yet? Have you seen the new Thor yet? No, tell me it's good. It's good. It's okay, good. good. And Zeus is in it. And that's the only reason <laughs> why I asked. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I love a stupid adventure. I love all of them. Chris Hemsworth graces you with his entire backside. Yeah, so. nice, nice, because he's real pretty, real that's, pretty. That's all there. So, you know, it's waiting. Mm-hmm, good. Uh, my favorite crystal, well, my second favorite crystal, one of my top five favorite crystals, I'll just say, is obsidian. Okay, so obsidian is volcanic glass that has been converted um, in history. It's been converted into mirrors, yep. daggers, swords. Mm-hmm. plates, ornaments uh, with deep, deep symbolism in the Mesoamerican cultures, which yes. I thought was really cool. Yep. What do you know about it? Tell me. So they also made needles out of it. and needles. Yeah. And um, surgical blades. It's actually how in ancient Mesoamerican, the shamans would, would be the ones who would do surgery on people. And it actually, um, it cuts so well that it doesn't leave any, it doesn't jag the skin. Yes. It's yeah. a very, smooth very, very cut. smooth cut. Yes. yes. If I'm not mistaken, and I didn't read this in any of my research, I actually have heard this before, that mm-hmm. certain surgical, modern day surgical instruments are made of obsidian wow. or something mm-hmm. like that. I read something along mm-hmm. those lines. I believe it. Um, so obsidian, um, it has been used, and this is a long one, guys, because, of course, I love obsidian. So yeah. I, there was all sorts of things. It has been used as an amulet of protection, an amulet. Um, mm-hmm. When accompanied by burning incense, obsidian is believed to grant the gift of prophecy, which is probably another reason why it's used so predominantly throughout shamanistic mm. practices and cultures. Yeah. Um, it has been alleged that whoever wears obsidian will never have nightmares. I don't know, you know. Hmm. Nice, yeah. Good thoughts. In Native American teachings, black obsidian is considered a stone for spiritual dreaming and initiation, which sort yeah. of, you know, goes hand in hand with not having nightmares. Yeah. In the Aztec world, the nocturnal sky god, here's another name, um, it's Tezcatlipoca. 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 Um, Tezcatlipoca, thank you. You thank got you. it. Um, he carved obsidian for weapons and tools. It was also highly polished into mirrors for shamanic rituals and prophecy. I mentioned that earlier. Tezcatlipoca means smoking mirror, and he was said to see all that happened in the world and the heavens through his obsidian mirror. Yeah. So it's been made into mirrors a lot. Yes. <clears throat> One of the most famous obsidian mirrors was a small handheld mirror that was brought to Europe. Okay, it was stolen from. Um, mm, right. Uh, mm-hmm. Can we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. After the conquest of Mexico, it was stolen. I'm keep yeah. saying that by Dr. John D, a 16th century astronomer, astrologer, occult philosopher, and advisor to Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth. He actually had a really cool job, and I don't think he. I think he was a good guy because we'll talk about him a little bit more, but. He still stole shit that wasn't his. Yeah. 
Um, he, he brought that to use in his magical pursuits. He would call upon spirits using this obsidian mirror, and he claimed that it had been presented to him by the archangel Uriel. I don't uh. think Uriel has the credentials to bestow an ancient <laughs> artifact to this to white you, dude. To this white right. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know what? Don't even try it with your bullshit. We see right through it. Look, doctor. Um, <laughs> he spent the last 30 years of his life attempting to commune with angels in order to learn the universal language of creation and bring about the unity of mankind. So okay. he had a really powerful life purpose, life path. And mm -hmm. honestly, the worst thing based on this that he did was steal some shit that wasn't his, right? Mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that was that's one of the most famous the Aztecs made a balm for healing scars that contained obsidian powder. And they believed that substance, um, when they used that on their weapons, or, well, it, it, they believed that the substance that was made of, that was also made of their weapons, could heal those wounds. The wounds that they created. Mm -hmm. So according to various secret recipes that were guarded by sorcerers and local healers, the obsidian power was mixed with rabbit and chamomile grease. This practice was found in the north of France and in Belgium, and though there was no contact between the Aztecs in these two areas. So again, we're getting into different cultures and in parts of the country, you know, having similar practices that, mm. you know, they didn't, they didn't know each other. Communicate, yeah, yep, yeah. mm-hmm. Yeah. The legend of the Apache Tears claims the earth cried whenever an Apache warrior was killed in battle. And the women of the Lost Warriors were said to have wept for a month, and their sorrow was so sincere, the Great Spirit pressed their tears into small black stones that, when held up to the light, reveals the tears of the Apache. Have you ever seen an Apache Tear Stone or Gemstone or Crystal? No, I don't think so. I haven't either. No. Uh, if I have, I don't know. The only one, I have the the looking glass one. So you hold it up to your eye and you can look out at the, at the eclipse with it. Like it's safe to look oh, at the cool. eclipse with, with the obsidian. Uh, mm -hmm. That's very cool. Well, I know that there are Apache Tears gemstones out there. Yes. Um, you know, um, crystals, that sort of thing. I just... I've never seen one or researched one or anything like that. So it's something I maybe I'll do. Um, Apache tears are believed to bring good luck and whoever owns one will never have to cry again for the Apache women shed their tears in place of ours. Mm. Apache tears are also reputed to expel the venom of snake bites. Huh. So I think that's really beautiful that Apache women, Apache women shed their tears in place of ours. You don't need to take on the woes of the world. Apache women, we set you free. That's beautiful. Um, all right. So let's see here. There's a couple more. In the Hawaiian Islands, a type of obsidian called Pele's hair occurs as th thin strands of volcanic glass fibers oh. that are stretched by the winds and they resemble human hair. And so it's named after the Polynesian volcano goddess Pele, who is believed to live in the crater of the Kilauea. Kilauea volcano on the island of Hawaii. The ancient Polynesian culture believed Pele kept the souls. Oh my God, I love this. Um, Pele kept the souls of the dead in her underworld realm and sent them back to Earth along with her lava to be reincarnated. 
This phenomenon occurs in other parts of the world near lava flows. In Iceland, it's called witch's hair. So they're speaking of those thin strands of volcanic glass. Okay. Right? But I just love that how they, they, um, the myth around is that Pele is you know, keeping the souls of the dead in their <laughs> underworld realm <laughs> to do what, right? <clears throat> Maybe she's keeping, it says Maybe to be reincarnated. So. Yeah, that's what she collects, you know? Yeah, nurturing them. All right. And then the last little blurb is that rainbow obsidian um, appears as ordinary obsidian until you hold it in the light. I have a piece of rainbow obsidian and it is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, then when then once you hold it to the light, it reveals this beautiful multicolored iridescence. And it's in like these um, sort of circles like trees yes. are. Uh-huh, the swirls. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's not like Labradorite, Labradorite where it's just sort of these flashes. Uh-huh. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so beautiful. Now, according to myth, rainbow obsidian can be found after the sky turns black with rain and the rainbow appears when the rain clears away. Oh, that's cool. Okay, next one. Let's talk a little bit about Moonstone. Moonstone, I would have to say, is probably my absolute all-time favorite crystal. Moonstone and Obsidian, my two favorites. Um, All right, so the ancient Romans believed that Moonstone actually captured the rays of the moon itself. So they believed that it was actual moon, Um. a stone made of actual moon. Um, It's also associated in both the Greek and Latin cultures with female lunar deities, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. It's a deeply feminine stone and it's been used for communicating with the gods and as a companion in divinatory rites, which it's one of my favorite stones to meditate with just because of that beautiful soothing, you know, it, it just feels like you're holding for me anyway, it feels like I'm holding, you know, spirit in my hand. Mm. The Romans believed Moonstone contained the image of Diana, the moon goddess, who could bestow love, wealth, victory, and wisdom upon the possessor. Other legends believed it contained the gifts of prophecy and second sight, claiming Moonstone could clear the mind and allow the wearer to reach wise decisions and keep the heart and mind in touch with each other, basically connected mind-body, that sort of thing. In ancient lore, Moonstone was considered to be a talisman of winter, and in order culture was considered to bring good fortune to the wear. Is oriental culture a, a politically correct? Term? I don't think so. Or it would be would oriental. It would be Asian. You know I mean? It would be like Asian culture and then you'd have to get more specific as to like at least give it a country. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Right. I think so too. I left that in because I wanted to specifically pose that question, yeah. but I thought, well that's that doesn't sound like it's that's you know, it's like um, when people say, oh, do you speak Mexican? <laughs> what is Mother, that? I don't know what that is. No. <laughs> Mother. <laughs> that, that is my, the language of Mexican is one word. Motherfucker. That's it. Oh, you speak Mexican, do you? Yes, I do. You. <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah. That's my, that's my head response. <laughs> Right. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Okay. Um, let's see, Diana. Um, again, I love Diana. She's a badass goddess. Um, and Han Hanwi, the Sioux moon goddess. So Diana is the goddess of the well, the Greek goddess mm-hmm. of the moon, 
and Hanwi is a Sioux goddess of the moon. They are both associated with Moonstone, and throughout history, Moonstone has been considered a stone of new beginnings and has been carried as protection on the seas. I love that um, idea of new beginnings, but so is Obsidian. So again, I think maybe that's one of my favorite themes. Um, when you use a moonstone to observe wedding anniversaries, um, it's considered the gift of choice on the 13th year um, and for succeeding multiples of 13, which is believed to counteract the quote-unquote evil influence <laughs> of the number. I, why is this? Thir- we, we have to talk about this 13 because, I mean, I know there's history behind it, but one and three equals four and four is stability yeah. and structure. It so doesn't make any sense. No, we talked about it a little bit when we were doing the secret societies. It was the day on oh, where yeah. the Knights of the, uh, the Knights Templar, they, when they were all murdered, that happened on a Friday yeah. the 13th. And that was the origin of uh, Friday the 13th being a day of bad luck. And then, yeah, and then thirteen just you know got a bad rap because of that. But yeah, that's where that that's where that supposedly comes from. But there's also like various origin stories for for thirteen. So yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Good. Um, Let's see. As a sacred stone of India, and and so as a jewelry designer, I buy certain stones. I I. Try not to buy them from overseas mm-hmm. because it takes so damn long and they get stuck in customs. I mean, it's 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 mm-hmm. ridiculous. But I do have one seller in India and I love his moonstone. It is gorgeous and he always sends like the best stones. So um, if you, if you ever purchase a piece of a piece of jewelry made of moonstone from me, that's where I got it and it's mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, so as a sacred stone of India, it has been set in the forehead of the god of the moon. I don't know who that god is, though, because um, each, every culture yeah, has everyone calls it something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is like, you know, why your god is not the only god. Don't <laughs> get me started. We, we can respect <laughs> that everyone has a different god for the moon. That's fine. Yes. Yes. Let's do it. Let's respect it. Let's just accept yes. it and respect it. So um, the reason that it's... Um, so sacred and it's partly from its color and partly from the influence of the god that it represented and this one is god of the moon and it grew and lessened in luster with the waxing and waning of the moon gaining its name which actually makes sense because that um i mean i just did a post on the akashic um Uh studio page um about the difference between legit moonstone and white labradorite so labradorite has labradorescence and moonstone has what's called yes. auralescence and so when that auralescence um when, when the stone is moved it absolutely the waxing or the waning um you know or the position of the sun or the moon in the sky can absolutely impact the, mm-hmm. the flash of that thing so uh let's see in india moonstone is believed to bring good fortune and is never displayed for sale except on a yellow cloth because yellow is an especially sacred color. I thought that was cool. It has a special significance for lovers. It it is believed to arouse tender passion and allowing them the power to read the future or like what is in Mm -hmm. store for them. Okay. Um, But, but there's a catch (laughs) (laughs) and I'm not down for this. However, in order to know what is in store for the tender lovers, uh, the stone must be placed in their mouths while the moon is full. I don't know. I'd rather just ask a psychic or a <laughs> 
I mean, I'll try it as long as it's not something weird like put it up your butt or something. <laughs> I'll put it. It's st- especially after. <laughs> I'm fine. Don't put it in your mouth after you put it up your butt. That's that'll be a no good. for me. <laughs> All right. So I have like so many more. We won't be able to uh-huh. get through them all or else this will be like a two hour podcast. So I'm going to let you choose. So mm-hmm. here are your choices. Ruby, Opal, Emerald, Diamond, Aquamarine. Or I have to choose Opal because that's my birthstone and I want to know. Opal, Yay. Okay. All right. Opal. The name refers to Ops, a wife of Saturn and a goddess of fertility in Greek mythology. In the Middle Ages, opal was used as an amulet for good fortune because it was believed to contain the virtues of all the other gems. Um, in more recent times, opal has been used as a generator of creativity and inspiration. Um, I don't work with opal because it's so yeah. um, soft and like it'll it'll crack yeah. in your hand yeah. and you're screwed. So I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. not going to push it. Um, opal dates back to the Cretaceous period. So it goes back a long way. I mean, all crystals do, but this one uh-huh. specifically um, dates back to the Cretaceous period when dinosaurs were on the earth. It was formed as silica from decomposing rocks mixed with groundwater that collected and then petrified in underground cavities. Wow. In ancient times, opal has been regarded as the luckiest and most magical of all of the gems because of its ability to showcase a multitude of colors, like beautiful, really high quality, like triple A grade uh-huh. opal. Ugh, it's like you've seen it. You're yeah. Looking at a kaleidoscope. yeah. It's incredible. The Greeks believed the stone held the powers of foresight and prophecy. The Arabs of Muhammad's time, <clears throat> again, uh, political correctedness, I don't know. Um, they were convinced opals were carried to earth on bolts of lightning. One myth tells of a storm god throwing a bolt of lightning at the rainbow that ended his storm. And the subsequent explosion of colors that fell to the earth embedded themselves in the rocks, creating the opal. Wow. In the 1300s, opal was the most popular gem used for jewelry in Europe. But when the Black Plague struck, so did the slandering of the opal's good name. Everybody's on the edge of their seat now, aren't they? People believed that a recently inflicted person's opal would flare up and then totally lose its color upon their death. Louis the 14th? I don't know, it's XIV, and normally in my notes I'll make a, a note, but I didn't this time. So it's the <laughs> XIV of France, named each of his horse-drawn coaches after the gems, after opals. Well, after gems, gemstones, all right? So one of the horses named Opal, Opal's driver was often known to drive drunk. What? <laughs> and he would get into accidents. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And so it was believed that the unlucky coach, it was an unlucky coach to travel in. And then they blamed the poor horse, Bullshit. Opal. Right? I said they were going to slander Opal's good name. <clears throat> okay. But then the final nail in the coffin came in the 19th century when Sir Walter Scott's novel, Anne of Gierstein, blamed an Opal as the sole reason for his anguish. Uh. <sighs> All right. So although the bad luck incidents are later explained... Mm-hmm. In that book, Opal's reputation persisted uh, as being unlucky. I've never known an Opal. Yeah, to I've be heard unlucky. that Have if you? it's not your birthstone and you wear it, that it bring it can bring you bad luck. 
That's because of the horse. That's and because bullshit. of the drunk driver. Bullshit <laughs> stories, and then they. I know, right? And, and then they cling, stories. and then people believe. Yeah, that's where a lot of superstitions come from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, slander. This is slander. So we're clearing yes. up the slander of the opal's name. So it's all bullshit. It's superstition. You you can clearly see that the reasons used for giving opal a bad name are bullshit. And so I say, yeah. everybody wear their opals. If you like it, but just be careful because they will pop out of their settings. <laughs> if, if if they're made by a I've had a few rings they're soft because they are so soft um, and yeah, I've, so I soft, had like yeah. a ring once and I remember I like smacked it against something and then it cracked in half yeah. and then it was still fine like it was sitting oh, in the setting no. for a while and then eventually it, it just setting? got really loose and then it popped out but yeah that's hmm. yeah. was it a prong set? that's why and it was only two it was a, yeah. it was it was a two prong, and yeah. it was um, uh, yeah. what's the yeah. like elongated oval shape? Uh, it, yeah, oval? but it's like pointy at the ends, kind of. I don't know what that shape. Yeah, yeah oh, kind of like that that shape. And and yeah, and it was just the two prongs yeah. at the top, one at one at one at the top and one at the bottom. So there wasn't really much holding it in place. So, so listen, as a jewelry designer, I'm trying to seriously think of how two prongs could hold a marquee in place. And I still have um, the ring. So, I'll, I'll um, find I, out. I'm not, not, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Send me a snap of yeah. that because I'm like, wait, what? How do you, because a marquee, yeah. I would use four. I think it was two. Maybe, maybe, maybe it could have been four. I don't know. But I bought these, out. um, these Cantera opals in Mexico. They're basically like opals that have. Mm-hmm stone around them like it's like almost yeah like they're in oh. they're encasing is it looks like they're encasing is on them yeah oh, they're yeah. really beautiful um i got this necklace in mexico that was made from those and yeah they're really neat yeah and they also provide a stabilizing yes. factor for the stone exactly so they're not as delicate mm-hmm. yeah it's turquoise a lot of times is sold um with like um mm-hmm. something glued to the back of it which doesn't make it fake it actually it stabilizes the turquoise oh, because it's so okay. soft um, and so easily you know can easily crack that or makes break sense. or whatever so um okay let's do ruby next in honor of okay. your puppy <laughs> she's sitting back there <laughs> Okay. Ruby. <laughs> I, I know I see her right behind you. Ruby, a stone of love and courage. Ruby is also known as an aphrodisiac, right? Boom, chicka, wow, The name of the mineral comes from the Latin ruber, meaning simply red. In some Asian cultures, rubies were used to decorate armor, uh, the sheaths of swords, and they were sometimes placed in the foundations of buildings to ensure prosperity. Oh. I thought that was cool. Be a cool, a cool way to put that in your if you're building a house or something. It has been said that the ruby's red glow comes from an internal flame that cannot be extinguished, making a gift of the stone symbolic of everlasting love. If it's worn on the left hand, ancient lore tells us ruby will bring good fortune to its wearer. And it's said to be the most precious of the 12 stones that God created when he created all things. So this Lord of the Gems was placed on Aaron's neck by God's command. I don't know who Aaron is. I left <laughs> no, it in. Who's no. Aaron? Do you know? We need we need the Bible. We need the Bible. Oh, expert. from the Bible? I don't know what he did. I don't know. No. Yeah. No. I, yeah. Okay. Let's... I don't know. Um, ancient tribes used the gem as bullets for blow guns, and it said that a pot of water would boil instantly if a ruby was tossed into it. 
ground to powder and placed on the tongue. This crystal was used as a cure for indigestion. Um, let me see. Among the multiple, or among the multitude of legends and strange belief, beliefs of ancient times, it was thought that the wearer of a ruby was blessed with health, wealth, wisdom, and outstanding success. I like that one. Um, and then furthermore, the wearer acquired the ability to live in absolute peace with his enemies. Um, and then in some places, Ruby was even thought to grant invulnerability, which is why Makes soldiers sense. would wear it. Today, in modern times, <clears throat> rubies are even more valuable and rare than the top oh. quality diamonds. I didn't know that either. And, and I didn't know but that. But I guess you do see a lot less of them. Yeah. No. no. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And... You know, redstones are my favorite. My birthday or my, my birthstone is garnet. Yeah. And I love redstones. All right, let's do one more. Um, okay. Let's see. So here, I'll let you pick. Um, we can do sapphire, emerald, diamond, aquamarine, let's or do garnet. Sapphire. sapphire. Okay, sapphire. A stone of intuition and communication with the spiritual world, sapphire's rarity and deep blue coloring make it one of the most valuable stones in the world. Sapphire was named after the Greek word sapphires, meaning blue. <laughs> very, very tricky. Ancient civilizations believed that the world was set upon an enormous sapphire which painted the sky blue with its reflection. In ancient times, sapphires were thought to be protective against Envy and poisoning. When you ground them to a powder, the bluestone was believed to cure colic, rheumatism, mental illness, and to strengthen eyesight. Well, that's a lot of <laughs> out of a little rock expectations <laughs> out of a little blue powder. They know, right? Sapphire has long has long symbolized truth, sincerity, and faithfulness. In one story, Moses was given the Ten Commandments on tablets of sapphire, making it an extremely sacred gemstone. Hmm. I've never heard that. Have you ever heard no, that? No, I've never heard that. Uh -uh. Because sapphires represent divinity, they were the gemstones of choice for kings and high priests. The British crown jewels are full of large blue sapphires, and even more recently, Prince Charles chose a sapphire engagement ring for Princess Diana. It's my favorite royal in the entire world. Well, I like Harry and, um, um, oh, what's Harry's wife? Uh, Meghan. I love Harry and Meghan, too. Mm -hmm. uh, the ancients regarded star sapphires as a very powerful talisman, a guiding star for travelers and seekers of all kinds. So a lot of gemstones, like if you hold them in just the right, or you, know, you just move them in your hand, yeah. some of them will reflect back to you that star. And oh. apparently sapphires are one of the stones that will do that. Hmm. Uh, amethysts do that a lot. Um, um, I know there's star amethyst, there's star, I, f I forget what the other one is. Well, star sapphire is another one. But yeah, it's really cool. So if you have any of those, um, um, you know, just kind of move them around. And uh -huh. if you see a star in it, then you're like, oh. And that's actually, it's, it's not super, super rare. But if it's a legit stone mm -hmm. and you have a star... And it's it's a, it's a little bit more valuable than a regular one. Oh, that's very neat. Um, okay, so there's tons more, and I will throw some more when I do the artwork okay. for the promo um, or 
for this episode. I'll throw a couple more um, and then like an Instagram slide or something. Okay. Um, um, because there's so many, we honestly, we would be here for a couple hours. So, uh, but anyway, that's, that's, you know, sort of some of the myths and the origins of some of our, our favorite stones. I love that. Especially because a lot of them are yeah. birthstones too. So we, we care about them in that capacity or we've had some kind of relationship. Exactly. Exactly. I'm not a huge fan of like gemstones. I prefer crystals or like faceted crystals, but you know, diamonds, um, rubies, sapphires, emeralds. Mm -hmm. And just not a big, not a big fan of working with them because they have to be prong set. Oh yeah. um, Or they should be prong set. And I'm just not a fan of that. My style is more rustic boho, um, you know, sort of, um, you know, handmade, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And these stones um, really are better suited for high-end yeah. um, settings. Sure. So, yeah. But they're still pretty. No, yeah, they are. They're very beautiful. I think I sent you, did I, I showed you that picture of those blue sapphire earrings that I got. No, I didn't get them. I tried them on. Yes. <laughs> they were yes. so beautiful. But Yes, yes. <clears throat> You wanted them, weren't they? Like super, super expensive. Oh, they were. Like, I, I think it was. It was like they were like eight hundred dollars for like a pair yeah. of earrings, and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't justify that amount for how much I mm. wear earrings. I don't even wear them that much. Right. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for that. I always love hearing about all the different stones and crystals, and anytime I can learn anything new. You're welcome. It was a fun one to uh, research. Uh, do you have anything for the closing vibe i do i just wanted to talk about the new moon that's coming up yes yes so this new moon goes um at its full full power is july 28th at 154 est but remember we can utilize the energy of the moon three days before and three days after so Um, okay, so you know when we talk about astrology and we talk about trines and squares and conjunctions, right? And I'm yes, like, yes, and I don't have any idea don't know what any of those things. And mean. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck any of those mean. Okay, all right. So a conjunction. Okay, so if they're sixty degrees apart, because they're on a wheel, right? They're it's it's a wheel. Yep. It's three sixty. Okay, so if they're sixty degrees apart, it's a sextile. If they're okay. 90 degrees apart, they're going to form a square, right? 90 degree angles. That's, yep. That makes a square. And then if they're 120 degrees apart, they form a trine, a triangle. Oh, very excellent, excellent explanation. Okay. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Because I was like, I'm sick of hearing about trines and squares. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. okay. So that's what that means. So with this new moon... It trines Jupiter, which means it's going to have a mild influence. But what it does help with is it's going to bring in like high spirits and enthusiasm. It's going to give you that boost of self-confidence and good fortune, which is perfect because new moons typically represent the end of a cycle and the beginning of another. So if there's anything that you need at the beginning of a cycle, it's that. It's that boost of confidence to know that things are going in the right direction because you've trusted the universe in the choices that you've made. 
Yeah. Excellent. So this is a good time to look into opportunities for both a personal, spiritual, material growth. Um, all these are, uh, the energy is really set up to bring in those, that growth in those areas. Um, also, um, Mercury and uh, so there's a Mercury is squaring Uranus. And so that's going to actually be the main influence of this moon. So expect unexpected news and some unexpected interactions uh, as a possibility. Um, uh, people, some people may be a little nervous, erratic, unpredictable. That's I would think it uh, as more of a societal thing. But for yourself, try to stay more open minded and especially adaptable to any situations. Um, the main energy of this moon though, is, uh, going to be regarding our work life and our work life balance and really understanding what works for us and what doesn't and limiting the things that bring us stress and trying to promote more and grow more of the things that bring us joy. Um, and as far as can, I love that. Uh, the signs that will probably feel it the most are Capricorn, Cancer, and Gemini. Now, why? Tell me why. Because of the the placements of where they're at and how direct this okay. moon will affect them. I will tell you, I, I'm a Cancer, or I'm sorry, not a Cancer. I'm a Capricorn, and it this has been probably one of the most healing and insightful moons I've experienced in a very, very, very long time. So I can validate that. I just wondered why. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like why? What do you know? <laughs> it's all, teach me. Tell me. It's also called the buck moon, but it's not the for buck, like yeah. anything cool. It's just the fact that it lines up uh, calendar wise with the same time that bucks start to grow their horns back. That's all. Yeah. I mean, if you're a hunter, that's cool and all. Yeah, but otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, like, yeah. Uh, yay! Okay, I love that. You know, I love the moon, um, and I'm excited because um, you know this is this is such a big one, and mm -hmm. all over the socials, people, you know, all the people that I follow for astrology and stuff, they're all like, "This is a big one. This is a really big one," you know, and then of course. In August, we're coming up on the Lion's Gate on August 8th. So there's just so much going on. Mm -hmm. yep. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Um, you guys, thank you for joining us today. Um, we are so happy to be back. Um, you can find us on all the socials under Esoterics Podcasts. And be sure to join our Facebook community, the Esoterics community. Um, we're going to tell you firsthand about all the things going on, our services, events. Um, you know, um, I'm trying to put out more tips. And um, we were just recently talking about being more visible, um, sharing more of our practices and ourselves with you. Um, you know, so we're going to really try to do more of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and a lot more. Yes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. You can do that as easily as uh, using the app, whatever you use to listen to your podcast and using the share button, or you can uh, copy and paste a link from the, our bio, our website, wherever. And we really appreciate you guys listening. We do. Please help us get the word out. But yeah, we love sharing this podcast with you. Yes. Really appreciative 
any listening, any downloading, any subscribing. Thank you so much for inviting us into your life for a little while, lovely humans. Stay mystical, magical, and ready to do it again next episode. See you later. Bye. Bye.